sports are really important vehicles for relationships. We have purpose. We have a why. We bring people together. We connect. I feel like God is our greatest supporter and our greatest coach. Welcome to Rabbi on the Sidelines. I'm Rabbi Ara Sherman from Sinai Temple. This week, we are joined by Jonathan Franklin from the UCLA Bruins, who left as the all-time leading rusher with just a couple of yards, 4,403 yards. Drafted by the Green Bay Packers, now the director of social justice for the Super Bowl champions, the Los Angeles Rams. Jonathan Franklin, so great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here with you, Rabbi. Yeah, just a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. So uh, <laughs> you got we got to talk about Super Bowl first. L.A. Rams in SoFi Stadium, winning in front of the home crowd. Just what was that like being part of that team? You know, it's unbelievable. You know, when you have that opportunity to to host a Super Bowl, you can you can really inspire the next generation of mm-hmm. fans. And and also having a Super Bowl here, and, you know, even beyond the stadium, the experiences that was created for the community, the, yes. the transformation that that took place, even financially, but the interactions with the, the stars that that so many community members see, you know, nationally, you know, on, on television, um, you know, throughout the, the regular football season. It was awesome, you know, and, and to win to win the Super Bowl. Um, it's a one once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, to have that in L.A., to, to give so many uh, community members, to give this city hope. Um, it came at the right time. Right. It's been a tough two years um, in counting with the pandemic and, and to have something to look forward to, to to have something to celebrate. You know, how how better can it get in the city? That is so true. Have something to celebrate. I think that's a moment of faith that we're going to talk about as we go here. And uh, Coach McVeigh coming back. Uh, yes. well, let's talk about the future for a second. Uh, are we going to do it again next year? That, that's the plan. I mean, us and, and, and 31 other NFL teams come into July, you know, with that go, right, to win a Super Bowl. It, you know, it's the toughest league out there. So everyone's excited to, to do whatever they can to keep the standard the standard and be, be the best team, you know, come February of next year. So we're going to go back in time to uh, where you grew up, actually in this city. You're not just a transplant, but you are an Angelino. And uh, you grew up in South Central LA, which I know a lot of the Jewish community really has never been, but you write a lot about it and you talk a lot about it, but it, it wasn't, the, uh, mo- wasn't the most easy place to grow up. So maybe just talk a few moments about uh, growing up in South Central LA and how football almost became not necessarily an escape, but a beautiful place of refuge for you. Yeah, so growing up in, in South Central LA, South LA as they call it now, um, to your point, it was rough. You know, it was tough when you think about gang violence and, you know, the unfortunate of, of death of, of young, you know, men and women, you know, throughout the year. You think about helicopters, police sirens, you know, drugs and beyond. That was the norm. You know, that was the reality. And, and the condition even, you know, of my mindset of just understanding, hey, this is just how life is. Wow. You know, just just to kind of paint the perspective of, you know, how it was raised. And and, and you talk about football and, and the refuge, but also I think it, it it challenged my perspective. It allowed me to step outside my community, to mm-hmm. dream beyond the reality of what I saw each and every day. So so grateful for for football, but also the mentors um, that it provided in my life as well. When you when you think about the coach, 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 coaches that, that I've had at, at, at Dorsey High School that attended that played the role of, of not just a coach, but in a sense, a father figure, a, a friend, 
um, uh, just uh, uh, everyday, you know, challenge that was provided to me, but also the conversations that I needed to have to think outside of just football, right? To, to be more than just a, a football player and, and extremely grateful for my mom and dad as well for the influence and impact and uh, just the example that they set each and every day. So when did you realize that there was something outside of South LA actually? Because a lot of people don't even realize that there isn't. I was just listening to a podcast with uh, Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson, mm -hmm. The Steam Room, great podcast. And Charles Barkley was saying, basically, as uh, he was named, you know, this, one of the 75 greatest NBA players of all time, he's like, he said, the stupid ball. But what the stupid ball did for me was so much more. And that's why I love the game. Maybe talk about the, uh, the pigskin for a moment. Not a kosher animal, but we're still going to talk about the pigskin. No, I, yeah, I, I love that. And that's so true. You know, I think what, what Charles Barkley said, I, I go back to to when I started playing just a backyard game in football. And, and as I look back now, football um, allowed me to be one of one of few in my family to graduate from high school, um, wow. the first, high school, high school, the first to attend college <laughs> and graduate. Right. Um, to, to have an opportunity to learn so many transferable life skills as well that allow me to have the career, you know, working from, for the Los Angeles Rams, the University of Notre Dame, Green Bay Packers. I look back and see so much skills that I've gained from football, the, the perspectives that I was able to, to, to have now, you know, my perspectives being challenged, the diversity um, that football brings from my teammates, from the 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 you know the, the 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 diversity of communities that I was able to travel to the culture, you know, it, it's more than just a sport, and mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful, you know, that it's carried you know me beyond just you know on field accolades and and experiences, but football has transformed my life, and, and I'm I, you know some of my best friends has came from football, and I believe I'm a, I'm a better man, um, from the challenges that that football has given me as well. So let's talk about the challenges because you talk football got you out of that, but also faith. Um, what was that faith background that you grew up in South LA? Was it more just in your heart? Was it part of a church community? Was it part of community? What did that look like back then? Back then, <laughs> early on, it, you know, honestly, it was a routine thing. You know, I think mm -hmm. growing up, um, you 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 hear faith, you you hear prayer, you hear read your Bible, and and. My mom would tell me so many times, you know, to, to read throughout Proverbs. She would take me to Sunday service every Sunday. Um, but there wasn't really an understanding. Right. I think mm -hmm. growing up those times in, in, in high school, at, you know, as a middle school student, I just knew the good I ought to at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I should pray. I should go to church on Sunday. I should read. And, and there wasn't fully that understanding of what I was reading or what it meant or how I applied it to my life. I just knew I, I should should do these things. So mm -hmm. I think the, the foundation or the seeds was being planted in my life. But over time, as years passed, it truly, you know, those seeds were watered and God has done the building. Oh, I love that. Those seeds were watered and God has done the building. And I think it's important that first part that you said, because you have to plant the seed, right? It doesn't, you can't water nothing. You actually have to water something in order for that to uh, to build. Um, when did you realize then, though, that this ball can take you somewhere? So let's maybe go from the high school to the UCLA track. UCLA just a couple of miles away, right. but to be honest, in a different neighborhood. Um, when did you realize that you could go there? And what were the options? And when did you realize that I'm going to be a Bruin? Right. So my, my sophomore year at Dorsey High School, I attended a camp um, with a few of my friends at Dorsey and just throughout the community that I knew. And from there, I received a scholarship to, to go to UCLA. 
I, prior to that, I did not even think about college. I didn't have a, a dream to go to college. I just kind of wanted to go to school and figure life out after, you know, and I, the passion even for football wasn't there um, the, the way that it, 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 it became, you know, after years of playing. But once I realized that, wow, I, I just received this, this offer to, to go to UCLA, this is more than just a game now. Mm-hmm. This is a chance for, again, as I shared earlier, for, for me to be the first one in my family to go to college. Wow. Um, um, hardly anyone in my community to, to go to college, to, to make it outside of, of the neighborhood. This can be an opportunity to, to give hope, an opportunity for those that are watching me to be to, to be a role model. Um, so I think sophomore year at, at Dorsey High School, I realized, wow, this can be wow. something special. Um, and then received various offers if it's from Stanford, Cal, and other Pac-10 schools then. Right? A 10 school. But just kind of guess aging myself. Yeah, Pac-12 now. But, yeah, back then it was a Pac-10. <laughs> so uh, let's go to a clip about the damage that you did on the field and talk about how that uh, led off the field. Let's watch this for a moment. Jonathan Franklin and the UCLA Bruins. Franklin, touchdown UCLA! Franklin turning on the Jets up the sideline. Franklin cuts it inside. Still on his feet. He's going to take it to the house. Touchdown, UCLA. You know, uh, going to UCLA, um, I was recruited as an athlete and, and played safety, then switched to running back and was six on the depth chart and, you know, just had to work my way up. And I was blessed, you know, to, to break the you know career rushing record. But, uh, I mean, it was truly awesome to play at UCLA. Going to the NFL was something I dreamed of for so long. And when it was impro- approaching, I mean, you're nervous because you don't know who's going to call you, when it's going to happen. Hello? Yes, sir. No, I was uh, blessed to be drafted in the fourth round by the Green Bay Packers. And I just start crying when I got the phone call. And I ran to my mom and just gave her a big hug and to my nephew and nieces and just grabbed them. And it was just, it was an amazing feeling, you know, because it wasn't necessarily just about being drafted, you know, I'm coming from South Central LA where a lot of people, you know, in my neighborhood really don't don't do anything. You know, I was the first one to go to college and, and just really to inspire my community to dream and to become something. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the NFL, but like dreams do exist in the neighborhood. It was so much, you know, that call meant so much not to me, but to my community and my family. So two things. Dreams wow. do exist in your neighborhood, <laughs> but also you came as a six-string running back. You weren't first team All-American running in there, and you broke that record. What was that work and that ethic and that faith that it took to leave as a career rusher? And oh when you say dreams exist, what do you mean by that? It was um, a lot of perseverance. Perseverance, I tell you that, because, you know, going into UCLA, I think I mentioned on the clip, I was an athlete. So I actually they they put me at safety first, but it was not working out for me. And so they moved me <laughs> to running back six on the depth chart. And I remember in practice, I would get one rep at running back and it was toward wow. the end. And um, I remember it was a special teams play. And then uh, one of uh, one of the players, he was running down the field. He was about to score and I caught him. And I remember the coach who's like, how are you going to let this scout team, nobody catch you? And like, it's those moments where I'm like, man, you know, you have a decision to really find your worth in these moments. You know, I'm getting one rep. I'm having coaches not really, you know, validate me either. And, mm-hmm. and the reality, my outlook is like, I'm not good enough. 
Um, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be here. So when you talk about faith is really, you know, believing what's not there. And, and I had to just really embrace and um, who I was called to be and every day just reassure myself that I'm called to be here, um, that I belong here, that that I can do it. It, it was consistent conversations and replacing uh, the lies with the truths, the lies that I wasn't good enough, the lies that I can't do it and saying that I can. Right. Um, I, I will you know, achieve those goals. And I remember my mom. She encouraged me to write down uh, every record I end up breaking four different records. She told me to write them, write them down. And this was when I wasn't even playing. And I wrote down the records and I used to write them down seven times before practice. And eventually um, went to six on the depth chart to start in. I had my job taken my sophomore year from Derek Coleman, had to win it back. And man, it was just a journey of, of never, never giving up. When you think about perseverance, it is sustaining, you know, sustaining the belief, the hope, uh, the value, the worth in the midst of the, the, for, the forever changes that was happening through the situations of playing. So you said the finding the worth in the moments. I love that because it's often I feel like finding the worth in the hard work that you just did. But no, finding the worth in that moment. I remember Phil Jackson, you know, the Bulls, the Lakers, the Knicks, and he was basically a walk on in the NBA. But he became something because they found those worth in the moments. I was just watching, uh, you know, an NBA game the other night, and they said like this is garbage time, but it's not actually because every moment you have to find some worth in. Um, and then, so how do you then run for 4,400 yards? Like, how do you go, you didn't have four years to do it. How, <laughs> how do you do it? It, it, it took a, a lot of hard work. It, it, it really did, you know, faith and work. Um, I believe <laughs> in the value. I believed in my worth, but I wasn't just going to sleep in my dorm room and it was going to happen. The, a, a magical moment wasn't just going to appear. I had to earn it. And I had to match my work ethic with what I was, you know, telling myself. And it was a lot of sacrifice. I I recall Friday nights when my teammates would go out and and hang out and party. I would be running the hills. You know, I'm at UCLA Um, my senior year before every Monday morning. I woke up at 5 a.m. to to run Drake Stadium, run the steps. Tuesday evening, I was in the pool working out Wednesday evening, doing the same thing. And it was this preparation. It was a sacrifice. It was the focus to do whatever, whatever was necessary to achieve the goal that I believe that I was capable of achieving. Um, But it it, it took the obedience, the discipline, the self-control. Uh, the willingness to separate myself um, from a lot of people, even teammates at times. I, I, I love my boys and, and, you know, some of them my great friends today. But the path that I wanted to achieve, I couldn't have certain people surrounding me because they may have prevented me, right, um, from making decisions. Or maybe I wasn't didn't have the maturity enough, you know, at times to have the self-control that I needed. So I had to just separate myself and, and be able to manage my moments to, to reach a su- success that I did. So you took the next step and you went to the National Football League. <laughs> You're drafted not in the first round, but actually the fourth round. And, you know, you expect the leading rusher of a Pac-10 school to go, you know, first five picks, and it's the fourth round. What was the faith then to climb that ladder to say, <laughs> you know what, I belong here as well? Yeah, you know, um, I was nervous to, to even – see if I was going to get drafted. I remember a humbling moment that when it was the second and third round, I remember I sat down with a coach. He's like, you know, you're going, you know, you'll be draft, You'll be our first pick mm-hmm. off the board. Um, and then I remember my agent sharing, you know, you're going to be a second round draft pick. 
And so that that Friday night, the 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 draft, the second and third round draft, I had my family over, friends. I had a camera crew. Oh wow! And the night goes by, and I I don't get drafted. <laughs> you talk about a moment of of being humbled. Of mm-hmm. wow, you know, just the, what's going to happen next when you hear you know the experts um, sharing you're going to get drafted and it doesn't happen. It's like man, uh, what went wrong? And um, it was a lot of doubt. It was a lot of fear. Um, especially the pressure and the, the high expectation for myself, but also everyone around me. Um, and thankfully, uh, Saturday comes and, and the Green Bay Packers gives me a call and I was ecstatic, you know, um, that you know, dream came true. Although a little later than I yeah, wanted it to. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Heck, you know, it's the NFL. I, w- I was grateful. And so, as you just said, the career didn't last long, but also because of an injury. So we're going to actually take a look after you were injured. Um this is Coach Mike McCarthy talking about that. And I want to talk about, um, you'll see in the clip, uh, what came next. And I think that's an important piece of faith. Unfortunate news uh, about Jonathan Franklin. We just had to make the decision where I had to medically retire and walk away from the game of football. He will, he will not be back with us. Um, but I, I can't say enough about him as a person. Uh, he's as classy as a young man that's, that's walked through these doors. Anybody's that's had a chance to get to know him um, just on and off the field. I mean, he, he's a class act. Man, I smile now, you know, because it's blessed where I'm at. But back then, it, it was tough, you know, as a as a young man, you know, and it's sad to say, I mean, all you know is football. You know, that's all you prepare for. Are you prepared for the NFL? And you're going to have this amount of money. You're going to live good, retire, and, and that's it, and help your family out. And when I had to retire, it was scary because football was my identity. Football was my life, and I was losing that. Um, even working out. I mean, I always worked out to, to, you know, have to start a job or, you know, to run for this amount of yards. And now it's like... What am I working out for? Or how long do I work out? Or how hard do I work out? So like life kind of just slapped me in the face and kind of knocked me down and it humbled me, you know, and I had to redefine who Jonathan was. I had to find my confidence. I had to find my joy, my happiness. And it was it was a long process of depression, of crying, of sleepless nights. Um, I would say uh, about a year, year and a half to where I'm like, okay, I know who I am now. <laughs> Wow. Wow. So you have to redefine yourself. But um, how do you do that? Right. You're in this routine, knowing what you want to do, and then you're stopped in your tracks. Um, Maybe take us through a few moments of that year of sleepless nights. And how do you get up the next morning? Wow. You know, it's interesting. You know, I'm at peace now. But but looking at that, it's like, whoa, Uh you know, it takes me back emotionally um, to those times. Um, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. It, it's I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Yeah. You know, it, it's good to look back and be like, man, thank you, God, or, or even be grateful for the moments of adversity, right? Of, of challenges yeah. and suffering, you know, so I'm, I'm very grateful that it happened. But it was an unexpected moment, you know, getting injured uh, 12th game of the season and thinking it was just a concussion. And, and yet weeks later, realized that in a split second, you know, my career ended. Um, and the transition, the unexpected transition, I think that that that's what it was. It was figuring out what's next. Um, again, as I shared, the, the identity portion, you 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 
place for me at the time. There was so much value that I received um, from others as well. Right. They treated me as this Jonathan Franklin, a football player, this confidence when you walk in a room, the reaction to others when you walk in a restaurant, et cetera. And slowly these things disappear. Wow. Um, the dream of, you know, being this, you know, that I had of, you know, playing in the NFL for years are the opportunities that I saw that I will provide for my family and the resources. These things disappear. Um, as I talked about the work ethic and working out, right, this thing that I, you know, I trained myself to work out at this level to be a running back, these skills, drills, it's now disappeared. So when you look around, it's like, wow, what has kept me up for so long is now gone. Mm-hmm. And I really had to rebuild a, a new foundation of who Jonathan was. And, and and I look back and I am so grateful. And don't get me wrong. Of course, I would love to play for mm-hmm. years. But the ability to, to look in the mirror and learn, discover, build this man that I saw <clears throat> It's Jonathan to to authentically build friendships and 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 just feel the love and the value for just me, for my family, friends. The genuineness um, has been a beauty. Was a beauty during that time of of rebuilding um, the the low that I was at and to to discover of just the process um, to grow and to overcome. And again, that word I shared earlier to persevere. Mm-hmm. Man, um, I'm, I'm I'm grateful um, for everything that has happened. So take us in that one year of the NFL. I ask everybody, whether it's athletes, coaches, managers, fans, you name it, is there faith in football? Meaning in that locker room, what does faith look like? Is it prayer? Is it community, a sanctuary? What does that look like on Sundays when we turn on Fox or CBS or NBC or ESPN? What are we not seeing in the faith? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there there are absolutely guys that, you know, have a faith um, in God and, and definitely have a belief there. I know before every Sunday, we we definitely did pray our Monday, whenever the game was, you know, we, we had a team prayer. There were weekly Bible studies that, that anyone within the locker room was invited to. And and there was accountability, you know, and brothers within that circle, when you, when you talk about the aspect of faith, faith as well. So um, it, it was awesome to see, you know, you get to that to that next level and it's so easy to be distracted by the worldly desires from the lust of life. Um, so wicked world, you know, believe it or not. And, and our flesh is is weak, 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 too. But to have a, a circle of guys to encourage, you know, each other to, to keep your eyes on heaven um, it, it's a beautiful thing, you know, mm-hmm. to keep things in perspective. So. You have this lull in your life. You, the things that you expected disappear. Again, this is not just about football. This is about any human being. The people yeah. that walk into our synagogue, into your church, people are walking in because of that. These last two years have been because of that. The life that we expected over the last two years <laughs> disappeared. And we're in this moment of rebuilding. And I think these lessons that you talk about on the field are absolutely transferable off the field in our lives as faith as well. Um, you actually said in an article, I'm a man of God. I'm a role model in my community. Um, what did that look like first being a role model off the field while you were a football player? Yeah, uh, a football player specifically, it, it, it meant saying no and everyone else wanted to say yes, you know, to, wow. to be in a nutshell. I, I think when you, you know, the aspect of, of creating a path that may not already exist and, I grew up in, in, in a neighborhood when you think about success, it was sports and entertainment. Mm-hmm. And as I 
grown and, and mature, I realized the pathways that needs to be created, you know, that's more broader, you know, the, the ability to to define your own success and not measure it by from fame, from finances to your circle of friends. But it, it's based off, you know, your piece, right, y- your perspective or, or et cetera, however you want to measure success. And I think that being a role model is giving people hope to just be who they are. To, to look in the mirror and know that they are enough to choose whatever career and know that it is enough. The lifestyle that they choose is it's OK, you know, to be who you are, to, to do what you want, you know, et cetera. And I think that's the perspective that needs to be shared more um, beyond the, the imitation, the fitting in, you know, X, Y and Z that we all can sometimes um, live in this, you know, facade. Yeah. Uh, of this world, you know, and, and seek this validation. I, I see so much on social media, right, it, as well, the, the validation that, that so we're taught to seek from others and not give ourselves. So, um, yeah, the, being a role model is just giving hope, you know, to be the best version of you. So when you went back into the football, right, often people retire from football, they have an injury, they're director of operations, they're video coordinators, they're coaches, right? But then when my good friend and your uh, co-worker and good friend, David Weingarten, a big shout out to David Weingarten. We'll talk about what he's yes. doing and his authorship right now to the Weingarten families, good friends of ours. Um, you're like, hey, I want you to meet my friend, Jonathan Franklin. OK, he's a UCLA rusher. But by the way, he's the director of social justice from the L.A. Rams. That's a pretty new position for an NFL football team. What is a director of social justice for an NFL football team? Do they exist besides the LA Rams? And why is it important to have a position like this in the year 2022 um, that combines faith and sports that way? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, although the, the title, right, it, it was presented and it can appear as, you know, this is a new thing. You know, we're here at the Rams since we returned to Los Angeles um, the year of 2016. Thank God for that. Right. <laughs> this, this has been the core. Um, of our organization, social justice. And, and really, I think the past few years, obviously via social or, you know, from the, for, through media outlets locally and nationally, social justice has been a hot topic of conversation. Yes. And But when you think about it on our end, it's educated. Uh, what that means, it's, it's, it's education inequities, it's, it's homelessness, food insecurities, police community relations, it's criminal justice, it's um, health and wellness, right? And, and for us, we're learning that a lot of these issues, more so from an education and equity standpoint, is rooted in poverty. So our programs is how can we combat, you know, how can we combat that? How can we create access and opportunity and level the playing field, right, through the lenses of equity and make sure that regardless of what zip code someone um, lives in, um, that they have, you know, accessible resources to if it's, you know, lead their family, provide, you know, from, you know, have the best education, et cetera. So our goal is to use the power of football to partner smart, to build these programs and really transform the city of Los Angeles and beyond. So let's look at a little clip about what you do as a director of social justice. For the Rams, Jonathan Franklin, football has always held a special place. Come on, let me get some. Come on, let's get three. Come on. He spends his days promoting both the game and the Rams' message of unity throughout Southern California. I look at it as giving hope where it doesn't exist and, and maintaining it where it does. What's up? How you doing? You good? While Jonathan loves his opportunity with the Rams, at age 27, the sidelines aren't exactly where he thought he would be. By all accounts, he was on the path to stardom, moving step for step with his dreams. It was amazing. 
to have a dream come true, to speak a dream and go after a dream and to, and to hold it in my hand, I was extremely blessed. In an instant, everything changed. Jonathan grew up in South Los Angeles and attended Dorsey High. He quickly made his mark on the field, earning all city honors. Jonathan Franklin on his way. As well as off it, making the academic honor roll. We're just really proud of, of what he exudes and what he exemplifies. He leaves a positive impression on everybody that he comes in contact with. Touchdown! So you said giving hope where it doesn't exist and maintaining hope where it does, right? Let's separate those two out. Obviously, in South L.A., it's giving hope to where it doesn't exist. What about maintaining hope? We live in a community right here that is blessed, um, that has hope. But how, how do you maintain that? I mean, we keep talking about things can disappear in an instant. Um, let's talk about that piece, and then we'll go back to I want to ask uh, something else. It, it, it's about experiences. You know, I, I think, you know, you, you, you look back at the Super Bowl, and, and regardless of low income, middle class, affluent, the hope that that was given um, through each of these, you know, social socioeconomic groups uh, was definitely needed. You know, mm -hmm. you, you touched on earlier about the pandemic and so many things in, in people's life has changed. Mm -hmm. um, many things disappeared, um, um, especially when you when you talk about going outside and, and just the, the, the routines that we all had in our everyday life. And in this past month, the hope that it was able to to provide to the city, yeah. the, the unity, uh, the community that was created, the barriers that was broken, um, the conversations that, that, you know, that, that was created, you know, what, you know, I, I, you know, I love walking into Sunday and seeing the diversity, you know, of, of the fans, if it's mm -hmm, ethnicity, mm -hmm. socioeconomically, belief, gender, age, and everyone is coming together, you know, for a common good. They're cheering, they're celebrating, they're they're building friendships. And this is the beauty of, of what football can do, right? Regardless of where you come from or where you go to school. And, and that's the hope that we can create 365 days a year. So when you were in Dorsey and younger, the Rams didn't exist here in L.A. This program <laughs> didn't exist. Now that you exist, think about the Jonathan Franklin in South L.A. right now. Where are you gonna? What are you gonna do for that kid for the Rams? And how do you see that child's future? You know, for us, it, it is really, and, and I shared it earlier, kind of in my 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 story that I was able to. There's been so many transferable life skills mm -hmm. of gain through, through playing football, and and our goal is one to be a re resource to to grow the game and again sustain the game and doing what we can to, to do that and combating any issues that rise. But also on the flip side, from the character edu education side, and even from the academics, uh, how can we emphasize the power of, of football? Um, how one can grow, become the best version of themselves and dream again beyond their reality. Um, so it, it, it's a consistency of, of educating and, and, and addressing the needs based off the communities that we serve. Um, so what does the day-to-day -day process look like? Forget about Sundays and Mondays. That's what we <laughs> see, right? Um, we saw in this little clip going to schools and things like that. How do you strategize of, you know, what are we going to do this week to help the L.A. community? What are we going to do next week? What are we going to do one year? What are we going to do in five years? What does that look like? You know, as we build strategies, we, we, we want to be our, our authentic. You know, our goal um, at the Rams is to be, you know, the are one of the greatest community partners out here. 
Mm-hmm. And to do that is listening, learning. And then from there, we can build a strategy to respond. And, and, and it's about <laughs> listening, right? Listening to our partners, listening to our community members and understand what is the need and addressing those disparities and, and, and finding a way to break those barriers based off the resources uh, that we have. And, and the reality, you know, to be honest, we're not the subject matter experts, right? Mm-hmm. But, we, but we can, you know, curate and, and create conversations and bring the right people to the table um, based off, you know, that logo LA Rams, right? To, to address, you know, the issues that, you know, various communities face. So I love that we have that opportunity. And so for me, it's, it's, you know, learning about those key stakeholders to, to, to create those partnerships. It's again, learning about those issues to build those programs, to combat, you know, you know, what's necessary. Um, and then creating experiences as we talk about creating the hope and sustaining it. Right. And it's not always from a financial standpoint, but how can right. we bring community members today? You know, you mentioned David Weinger at garden earlier and he's out talk you about know, him. You tell tell us what he just did. Right? <laughs> when you think about literacy, Right. And, 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 and um, we, we launched a book, you know, Ride with Rampage, mm-hmm. that Rampage is going throughout, you know, Los Angeles at, at different sites. Um, and we're able to educate, you know, community members what's out here in Thousand Oaks and Watts and Inglewood and, and you know, and beyond. And, and what a great opportunity uh, to improve literacy, you know, um, from from various schools, but also create these experiences as well with the Rams. So uh, one issue that we have here in Los Angeles is homelessness, and it's grown from uh, before the pandemic to now to every single neighborhood in Los Angeles. Uh, here's a little clip about what you've done with United Way, and we'll talk about what L.A. Rams have done with homelessness to hopefully uh, help with this issue. We're excited to partner up with United Way. And just to paint the picture, you're talking about more than 43,000 people that are experiencing homelessness. And homelessness comes in many faces. Mm -hmm. That's single parents, families, veterans, and those that just have fallen on hard times. And it's our goal within the Rams is to use our platform to rally our community Mm -hmm. in the entirety of Los Angeles to tackle this issue uh, with compassion, humanity, and togetherness. So we're excited to join United Way to really tackle this issue together and really find solutions to end homelessness. I think, I think we... So homelessness, I mean, like, like you said, it's, it's everywhere. And I loved how you, unfortunately, had to say the different ways that people get to homelessness, right? We think about the person holding a sign saying, help me, right? But you don't think about the story that leads them to that moment that you're driving by a red light and you see them. Um, that's United Way. Um, what what's the future with the Rams helping with the with this issue that we're facing locally here? Yeah, and unfortunately, it, it's it's grown. I believe there's over sixty six thousand you know homeless Angelinos, and as I shared earlier, you know we're we're realizing that so many education inequities, or when you think about social justice, is rooted in poverty. Um, and every day it is finding ways to combat that, you know, if it's partnering spark, even growing the game of football to, to create these access and these resources and these outlets and just doing what we can. You know, it, it takes all of us to, to tackle this, tackle this issue. And I think to your point, just raising the awareness that homeless, it, it comes with many different faces, right? The single parent household, the, the veteran um, and, and beyond. So how can we, one, raise awareness, but to bring the right partners together? Because it truly does take all of us to create change. Tell us of a social justice hero on the Rams that we don't know about and something that uh, maybe we haven't seen in the news that maybe you see behind the scenes. Well, I, I have no choice but to go to our Walter Payton Man of the Year, Andrew Whitworth. You know, he yeah, is I saw that. Cons- consistent as they come. 
Um, and, and I say without favoritism as well, um, he has created change in, in various communities. Um, if it's out here in, in the Conejo Valley, throughout South LA, Orange County and beyond, um, <coughs> Andrew is about change. Um, and change has, has no face, right? He, he mm -hmm. just wants to do what he can to create that. So he's been the leader, the hero, um, um, not just or from the organization side, but also leading the players as well uh, to get out, to, to, to stand up and, and rise above. Um, are any other NFL teams working actually together on this types of project, or is it sort of like city by city? You know, I... There are. I know the Rams and the Char Chargers, you know, ha have partnered together um, on various uh, programs and events. I think about also what is called the Alliance. It's all 11 professional teams here in Los nice. Angeles has come nice. together for, you know, for five years to really combat social justice issues, including in that is homelessness and even diversifying the workforce, you know. Uh, so, so we're doing what we can. It, it, it's uh, it's going to be a generational change. You know, I think it, it's the right perspective. Um, it's tough, you know, to change now. You know, that's yeah. the reality. It's a harsh reality when you think of over 66,000 um, homeless Angelinos. But there is steps, you know, as we progress to, to, to create that change, to, to raise awareness of different pathways um, and, and change the mindset of the youth. Um, so I want to talk about one thing about the power of sports actually during the pandemic. I mean, last year you were sitting in SoFi by yourself, right? Um, <laughs> this year you were sitting in SoFi in the Super Bowl with 70,000. Um, what was that shift and what do you see the importance of sports uh, bringing the world back as well? It's a great question. I alluded to it earlier, right? I love the unity uh, that our games brings with the diversity of fans, but um, the, the the joy, <laughs> right, it's a cheer, um, on the home team um, for, you know, I, I think one of the, the coolest pictures I ever saw, there was a gentleman walking into our stadium with an Eric Dickerson jersey and his son was wearing a, a, a Cam Akers jersey. Mm -hmm. And to just see that the generation of, of players and teams and, and you can see this special moment that this game of football has created a bond, created unity and experience for the fa a father and a son. And, and we're, this, 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 this game is doing that with families across, you know, Southern California. And, and, and that's what I love about football. That, that's the stories you won't see on the field. Um, um, the, the ability for, for a young man and woman to come to SoFi Stadium, to, to, to have a dream, to experience this moment, uh, to meet a Andrew Whitworth, an Aaron Donald, a Donald, a, a Kevin Dimoff, our COO, or, or whoever may be in that stadium. Like, this is, you know, what we're, we're able to create. And it's really exciting that football is back with fans. So a little uh, faith uh, connection here um, on our high holidays on Rosh Hashanah, <laughs> the Jewish New Year. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but actually we blow. It's called a shofar. It's an ancient instrument and it's a ram's horn. So we knew it from that moment in <laughs> September that uh, this was the ram's year. And there are many uh, Jewish communities blowing the shofar <laughs> uh, over this past year, uh, praying for, for the rams to succeed. That's and awesome. uh, we definitely did that. Um, what can we do, though, as a faith community? Um, to help the LA Rams and the social justice program to make our city, to make the NFL and to make just the world a little better place in the year to come or in the days to come. Right. I, I think, not only I think I know, I think the biggest thing is education, uh, right. You know, I shared it earlier, even the broadness of what social justice is. I, as I learned through conversations, we all can sometimes just 
have one lens of social justice, right? But yet, um, there, there, it, it's such a broad topic and a term, and I think the, mm -hmm. the importance of, of learning um, what it means, what it is, and, and finding what are those passion points, right? Mm -hmm. if, if it is mentoring a, a young man or a woman, if it is, as we talked about, homelessness, if it's health and wellness, like what can you do to create based off, you know, the umbrella of social justice, the mm -hmm. issues that, you know, are taking place with, with the city? Because it takes all of us. Yes. You know, it, it goes beyond the Los Angeles Rams. It takes every community member, you know, taking ownership of mm -hmm. this is our city and, and we all have a role. And I think if we all find a way to build, um, this can be really special um, and change can happen in years to come. So I completely agree. I think the uh, sports is a universal language. Faith is a universal language. When you put those two universal languages in and when we finish a book of the Bible in Hebrew, we say chazak, chazak, vanit chazak. It means be strong, be strong, and together you will be strengthened. And I think that's a, a vision that we have to take very seriously in the sports and faith community coming together. And I know you're doing that heroic actions uh, moment by moment, gathering these communities together. Uh, Jonathan, we are so grateful that you have joined us on Rabbi on the Sidelines. We in the Jewish community look forward to partnering with uh, you in the uh, sports and faith community, Los Angeles Rams, the National Football League, and uh to success and let's go Rams. Jonathan, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Thank you.